the drummer's wife. Um, and we have four awesome kids. So a little background on me, and I don't even know if some of you that have been here forever, I grew up in Belden. And if anybody knows where Belden is, does any, oh, there are a few. I'm actually surprised. It's like at most 120 people that live there. It's like there's not much going on in Belden. And there was like three kids that were within five years of my age that we got to play with every day. So, but what Belden does have is a pool. And the pool was the only thing to do in Belden. There's a little park, but that's it. So, and my mom worked night shifts. My dad worked all the way during, during the day. My mom worked night shifts. So, I spent every day, all day at the pool because there was nothing else to do. So um, it's just a tiny little pool with goes up to six feet. I mean, not, not, it was just a tiny little square pool. So um, all day, every day at the pool, I learned how to swim myself pretty well. I could swim real, I could swim pretty good. I didn't know all of the strokes and all of the stuff that you're supposed to know, but I knew how to swim. One thing that I noticed while swimming is you can swim laps up and down and all around and no problems, but the hardest thing for me was treading water and just sitting in one spot and treading water. That was what made me more tired than anything while I was swimming. So I know now as an adult where the saying is, I'm barely keeping my head above water. You're treading water constantly, life's throwing things at you left and right and all around, physically, financially, mentally, anywhere, things are coming at you and you can barely feel like you can just barely get by and you can barely keep your head above water. And that's what I get. But what if you were able to bring the floor or the concrete of the bottom of the pool up under your feet? And that is what we're trying to do with our Bible study that starts March 6th. What if you could bring that concrete up and you could rest sitting and not have to try and constantly fight. So, Matthew, uh, uh, ver- chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. I can talk in front of kids. I can be goofy and dance. And you give me a group of adults, and all of a sudden my words get all messed up. Um, it says, and Micah said this one last week too, but therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descends, and the floods come, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That concrete under your feet is the rock. No matter if you've been in church, and you've been saved for 25 years or 25 days, you need that foundation underneath you. And whether or not you think, oh, I know all of that, it is muscle memory. It is constantly needs to be in the forefront of your mind and in there and under your feet so that when things do try to come against you because it is a crazy world out there and things will try to come against you you know and you're founded on the basic biblical principles that is what we're doing with this bible study it starts march 6th and it is it's the first week of march and it is six weeks long Okay, and we're going to divide you into groups. If you would sign up, there's a sign up in the foyer so that we know what groups you need to go in. Side note, in my area, Brad and I will be doing a kids one. This is not a babysitting service. So the kid, the families with kids will meet out here for their own Bible study, the parents. We get to take the kids. And not only 
do we get to play with kids and hang out with the kids while you guys do Bible study? We are teaching our own Bible study to the kids. No matter if they are two, all the way up to eighth or sixth grade. So we are taking all of the kids and we're going to do our own Bible study. But we are taking stories of the Bible. The basic stories of the Bible, but we're going to make it relevant to them today. We're going to have fun things. We're going to have activities. We're going to have skits and plays and all kinds of stuff with it. But we're going to take it so that they can apply it to their lives. For example, Bella came into our room the other night, which is not unusual, unfortunately, after bedtime, and said, I'm scared. I can't go to sleep. I'm too scared. We had just read the the story of David and Goliath to her. So I said, Bella, David was small. Goliath was huge. Being scared or whatever you're scared of might seem huge. But David was small, but God was on his side. So let's cut off the head of the fear, and let's know that we win because we have God on our side. So that's what we're going to teach the kids. Please bring your kids. It's very important. We love kids. We are excited to give them the foundation that way. So that's what we're going to do with the kids. Please bring them. I I love you all, but I'd rather have your kids. So please bring me your kids. <laughs> and and we'll do a Bible study with them too. Couple other announcements. Tuesday is our Patriot United at six o'clock here. Jeannie Regal is a candidate for the District 19 State Spen- Senator. We'll speak here that night. We'll have a guest speaker that night. She'll be here that night. Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. Wednesday is our regular midweek service at 7 o'clock. And next, oh, here, let's do this. March 22nd and 23rd is our marriage conference. There is information on the bulletin board with that for that. And there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer just so we have a general idea of how many are coming for food and stuff like that. So... Next Sunday, there's lots, lots and lots and lots. Next Sunday, Dr. Randall Gant will be ministering. He has been friends with Pastor and Pastor Kathy and advisor to them for 30 years, probably more. So many years. Um, So he'll be here next Sunday at 10 a.m. His wife, Rhonda, if you didn't know, passed away a couple years ago. And... He has recently gotten remarried, actually, so his new wife, Denise, will be here with him meeting for the first time that morning. So all kinds of stuff. If you have questions, is it on the back of our, probably our information sheet, some dates? Otherwise, we'll just keep it in the forefront. Check out the Facebook page. We'll we'll keep updating you, so thank you. Before we receive this morning's tithes and offerings, I want to read you something. I think a lot of you know who Rick Renner is. He's the one that wrote the Christmas book that we did this year. I consider his ministry to be one of the most solid ministries in the body of Christ, and I think what he says you can take to the bank. So we get a newsletter from him, and this is what he said about 2024. I'm going to read that to you. It says, the year 2024 will be visited with turbulent episodes across the entire globe, especially in the realms of finances and politics and in the nations. These episodes will be of a sort that will they will potentially cause those who are not rooted in God's word to be deeply disturbed. But for those who stay in faith, stay in peace, stay in love, stay in fellowship, 
keep sowing seed for the sake of eternity, they will experience a supernatural power that will cause them to be unmoved, unshaken, well provided for, and to walk in much much needed divine assurance, divine peace, divine power, and divine and supernatural victory. Yes, those who stay in faith, in peace, in love, in fellowship, and keep sowing seed for the sake of eternity will be blessed, empowered, joy-filled, and sustained, and they will miraculously thrive, even if the world around them is tossed with a tempest. So I believe that's a good word. That's for us. That's why we are doing these things, to strengthen us, to get us continually built and solid in the word of God, because that's the key right there. If you have your tithes for this morning, the ushers will receive the tithes and offerings. There's an envelope in the back of the seats. If you've never filled out one of those, make sure we have your name and address so that at the end of the year you get a a receipt for that. So, ushers, you may go ahead. lights on there you go dr gant will be here as courtney said um he and um his wife were were really close friends of ours and and really like mentors for many many years then a few years ago he lost Rhonda and and uh um, went back to live in the farm his his folks are elderly and in poor health and and so he just basically built an apartment on the farm and, and is taking care of them. And I think that is admirable. And uh, I called him late last fall and I said, you know, I know you're retired, but I said, I still think you've got something on the inside of you to share. And he does. And so he's going to share with, 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 you know, on leadership and, and what God has put on his heart. So don't miss that. Amen? Well, on a... But this will be the last message on per, on the pursuing personal growth, and Dr. Gann will be here next week, and then we're going to go into another subject. But it's we said this, in 2024, we must pursue God, pursue our enemy, pursue peace in our relationships, and pursue personal growth. Say personal growth. 
We said if you and I are going to grow spiritually, we must adopt the right attitude toward ourselves, towards change, and toward God. And we're using Abraham, the great patriarch of the Old Testament, as an example in his attitude toward himself, in his attitude towards change, and today we're going to talk about his attitude towards God. We said Abraham's attitude toward himself was symbolized by an altar. Every decision in his life was made at an altar. In other words, that's where he went to seek God, get the mind, the, the Father's heart, and know what to do. And so every decision in his life was made at an altar. Is it should be any different for you and I? Shouldn't you and I have our own personal altar that we go to every day and seek him? Yes, we should. So that's what an altar is. It's a place of prayer and consecration where we slaughter, that's what the word altar means, slaughter our sacrifice, our will over to God. Listen, folks, if you haven't done that, you better get busy. This is the year to turn your will over to God. Not our will, but his will be done. Amen? Then we said personal growth begins with a teachable heart. How many of you have a teachable heart? Just two of you? Okay. We said a teachable heart is a flexible heart. Say flexible. And this is where we talk about change. Because if you're flexible, you'll adjust your lifestyle to change. Changing for the will of God. Amen. Abraham was constantly searching and seeking and looking for God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, the Bible states. So you and I should be constantly seeking after God like believing Abraham. Amen. Then we said in this hour, many will believe the lie instead of the truth. Are there some lies being propagated out there today? Yes. Turn to Genesis 15. We're going to read our text. And then we're going to look at Abraham's attitude toward God. And then we're going to discover what our attitude towards God should be. It says in chapter 15 of Genesis, I'm going slower since Micah. Of course, he's gone today. I can do whatever I want. My youngest son says, I go too fast. Well, when the anointing of God comes, I, I tend to be changed. Like, you know, like Samson. Amen. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer, Eliezer of Damascus. And then Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look, now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Amen. And he, what? And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham simply believed what God told him. How about you? Has God ever told you anything? Did you believe him or did you doubt him? <laughs> now, let's look at Abraham's attitude towards God. There's three different aspects that I'm going to look at today concerning believing. And the first one is this. 
You might want to fill it out. Believing is knowing God. Say it. Believing is knowing God. Abraham's knowledge of God's character was discovered at the altar he built. And this revelation of God produced consecration and obedience. Now listen to this statement. Daily fellowship with God centered around His Word will lead to an intimate knowledge of His true nature. Let me say that again. Daily fellowship with God centered around His Word will lead to an intimate knowledge of His true nature. How many of you know we need to get to know God? But that's only going to happen when you and I spend quality time with Him. You can't get to know God unless you spend time with Him. Amen? How many of you remember when you were first dating your sweetheart? The one that you were, you know, like the body, you can be intoxicated with, with her love, you know. Read Proverbs. Amen? We'll find all about that at the marriage seminar. But I remember when I first got to know her, and usually I was on her doorstep a lot. Knocking on her door, wasn't I? Wanted to spend time with her. And she was a, she was a teacher. That was her first year teaching, wasn't it, when we met? Or second year. In my hometown. And so she ran with the teachers in that, that group, and I wasn't like that. I... I I was in the band. I wasn't an athlete. I was a musician. And so the one that was mentoring her was the coach. And I can remember Coach Moore, and he won state basketball I don't know how many times. But they, they were a whole different group. But yet I was just drawn to her. And so she, I had to go to teacher's parties and stuff. And I felt like a fish out of water. I just didn't. But, you know, I was pursuing her. And, and I realized that I needed to do that, but I wanted to spend. And the more time I spent with her and got to know her, fell in love with her, respected her, but it, it, it came because I was always with her. I even went to ball games where she was coaching, and I didn't run with that group. I could care less. I just, you know. But see, that's the way we need to be with God. You've got to spend time with the Father every day. You've got to talk to Him. In fact, you know, today, the first thing I did, I came outside and said, thank you, Father, for a beautiful day. See, just, just simple things like that. You know, communicating your love to Him. It's so important. So we need to find out His true nature. And sad to say, a lot of people don't know God and His true nature. And the sad thing is, most Christians don't even know God. God is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies over all His works. For I know the thoughts that I think so t towards you, says the Lord of hosts, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope and expected end. Don't you like those scriptures? God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, shall he not make it good? For I am the Lord, I change not. Does that tell you about him? But see, if you're not in the Word, and you're not in church, and you're not in that new Bible study, see how I threw that in there? How are you going to get to know him? 
You know, first things about her, I've forty some years. I think I know her pretty well, but once in a while she surprises me. She'll say something and I'll. <laughs> so there's always something you can discover. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a scripture that says this in Psalms. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. See, there are certain names that I can hear. And immediately I think of integrity and character. And I trust them. How about you? Certain names, you might have friends through the years, old family ties, and when you think of that name, see when I think of Dr. Gant, I think of integrity, I think of faithfulness, I think of wisdom, because I've gotten to know him. And it's the same way with you. And, and with Abraham, look at Genesis 17, look over a couple chapters. Genesis 17. And look at verse 1. Abram got to know God and discover his name. And when he discovered his name, he realized his true character. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, now what did the Lord say? I am Almighty God. Now in the margin of your Bible, does it say who Almighty God, how it's defined in the Hebrew? It is El Shaddai. Say it. El Shaddai. El Shaddai is... The, the God, the all-breasted one, the nourisher, the one that who gives strength. Al Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. Say, God who's more than enough. Amen? So he got to know God who is more than enough. He got to know God who was the strength giver. Now look at Genesis 22. This is where... Abraham, who, who is now called Abraham, is called by God to offer up his son Isaac on the altar. And I want you to jump to verse 14. We don't have time to read it all. Well, let me read 13. It says, And Abraham lifted his eyes, looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place. Now listen. The Lord will provide. Now who is the Lord will provide? What's the Hebrew name? Thank you. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord my provider. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord. It shall be provided. See God will always. If you get to know God. He's always going to meet your need. Because he's faithful. And you're in covenant with him through the blood of Jesus, his son. You have an inheritance in Christ. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is the God that we serve. He's the Lord who will provide. God has always met the needs of this ministry. Now, let me ask you this. Some of you are new, and you don't know me that well. Some of you have been here a long time, and you really know me. And I just, That's sad. No. <laughs> don't give me the smirk on the back row. That's my neighbor. He's like a son, too, but he's always, he's ornery. Why do all the ornery ones come to me? 
I'll never forget. Years ago, it was prophesied over us that God was going to bring me the wild stallions. That was, that was a true prophetic word. Amen. Now, what was I saying? What? Oh, those of you that have known me for a long time, I still forgot. It's just gone. Amen. Some of you don't look at me like that. It happens to you, too. I want to read to you a scripture from 2 Timothy. You don't need to turn there. I want to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. We're talking about getting to know God, and he'll take care of our needs, meet all of our needs. And that's why through the years when Harvest Church had a need, I didn't get too excited. During the flood, like Kathy has said, it's one of the easiest things we ever went through. Why? Because Jehovah Jireh provided for us. Amen. Everything we have now is much better than what we had before. And that's the thing. If you really know God, he's going to give you something better than you had. Amen? Amen. Now, in 2 Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 8, see, did the Apostle Paul know God? In fact, in Philippians, he, he prayed that, that I might know you in the power of your resurrection. That was his heart's cry to know God. But here in, in the Amplified, it says it like this. Paul said, and this is why I'm suffering as I do. Still, I'm not ashamed, for I know. Say, for I know. The Amplified describes it a little better in the Greek. For I know, perceive, have knowledge of, and am acquainted with him whom I have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on. You know why I got to know her? Because I adhered to her. Now, don't make it bad. I mean, I just was there all the time with her. So I got to know her. And that's the way we need to be with God. And this is what Paul was saying. I have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on. Now listen. And I am positively persuaded. Positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him until that day. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? See, he knew God. He knew God would come through for him. Now, this word know here in the Greek means perception, understanding, comprehension, and it refers to first-hand knowledge that should already be possessed. This word in the Greek, O-I-D-A, suggests fullness of knowledge. Look at John 8. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8, look at verse 54. I want to give you two different Greek words for know that are in this passage of Scripture. In John chapter 8, and verse, start with verse 54. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. You have not known him. He's talking to his disciples, but I've known him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be like a, a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. 
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and it was glad. See, here we have two different words. The ones implying or in, in regards to the disciples refer to this. The disciples have begun to know, say begun to know, the Father. It's a process of knowing. A lot of people, and sad to say, a lot of Christians are still in the process of, of knowing God, but they should know more about him by now. But Jesus had this Greek word, O-I-D-A. He had full knowledge of his Father. Say full knowledge. We need full knowledge of the Father. We as believers today, we should have more knowledge about God, but where's the knowledge come from? But if you don't spend time in this, how are you going to have any knowledge? Amen. Look at Hebrews 5. We've got to go fast. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles and the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Say babe. Say, look at your wife, say you're a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on. Say that. See, that's where we're at right now in this hour. We've got to go on to maturity. Let us go on to perfection our maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith towards God, of doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So God is, ba or, the, Paul's basically saying this, we need to go on to maturity. You can't, you can stay where you want, where you want to be if you want to be a babe. I don't want to be a baby. I want to grow. And here's a newsflash. I don't want to pastor a church of babies. Now, granted, if it's a healthy church, you're always going to have babies. We do, in the natural even. Amen? But the core group should, be, should know, like Jesus did, really know the Father. And not get so excited when you hear things. Not be a Barney Fife and pull out that gun with the one bullet. Amen? Yeah? We should know our Father that He is faithful. So we need to go on. Now, number two. Believing is obeying God. What was number one? Believing is knowing God. Now, believing is obeying God. True obedience to God is submitting your heart to His authority with corresponding action. True obedience to God is submitting your heart to His authority with corresponding action. Faith or believing is when you act upon what God's Word says or what rhema word the Holy Spirit may speak to your heart. Did Abraham obey God? Did he argue with God when God said, leave your family behind and move out? No, he didn't. What did he do? He just did what God told him to do. 11, Hebrews 11.8 11, says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. 
Verse 17 in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Look at Luke 5. Look at Luke 5. I want you to see, if you're going to believe God, you're going to get to know him, and you're going to obey him. How many of you have ever had your kids through the years, you tell them to do something, but they'll go, but, but, but. But, but, but. They have an excuse. See, true obedience to God. And, and, and this, this is what you need to understand is true obedience to God. You can obey. I could ask Abe to do something. And Abe would say, well, I don't want to do it. But because you're pastor, I'm going to do it. Now, what? that's really going to promote unity and a move of God in revival. If we've got people that, you know, the pastor says, would you do this or this? And, and, and you go, yeah, I'll do it. And under your breath, you're just, why are you asking me? Why didn't you ask someone else? They're more qualified. Man, 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 man. Obedience is an action. But submission is of the heart. Abraham not only obeyed God, he submitted his heart to him. And so what we need are believers or Christians that will obey, but they do it with the right heart's attitude. Think about that this year when you're called upon. We'll find out if you're truly submitted. You might obey, and in the natural, it looks like you're doing the right thing. But on the inside, instead of, you know, sitting down you're, or standing up, you're sitting down. You're not, you don't want to do it. How many churches are full of people like that? What God is after is your heart. That's what he wants is your heart. With the heart, man believes on the righteousness. It's your heart. So whatever you do in 2024, make sure your heart's hooked up. Amen? Look at this in Luke 5. It was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got in one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your... Nets for a catch. <laughs> but Simon answered and said to him, see, <laughs> not like Abraham, was it? He had to give his reasoning here. He said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So was he obedient? Yeah, he was obedient to a point. Where was he disobedient? He let down one net, and not nets, plural. Didn't Jesus say, didn't he? Let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Well, God's grace and mercy. You know, Peter gets a bad rap sometimes. But you know what? He usually stepped out. Didn't he? And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish, fish, and their net was breaking. Could have been their nets. So, do you see how important it is to obey God? It is. It's very important. 
Proverbs 10. Let, don't turn there. Let me read it to you. I, I want to read it to you from the, from the Amplified Bible. You're not going to like this. So maybe I shouldn't read it. But it's, it's the word. Proverbs 10. And verse 8. What are we talking about? Knowing God and obeying God. Verse 8 in the Amplified, it says this. The wise in heart. How many of you are wise in heart? How many want to be wise in heart? Let's say it that way. The wise in heart will accept and obey commandments. But the foolish of lips will fall headlong. Now, I'm going to tell you what you are when you don't obey God. You're a fool. I'm a fool when I don't obey God. Let it sink in. Can I go a step farther? What are you if you know you're supposed to tithe, but you don't? What are you? Say it. You're a fool. God speaks to your heart to do something, and you don't do it. Go to that neighbor. Take that neighbor some food and, and just love on him and encourage him, but you don't do it. What are you? You're a fool. A fool is someone that doesn't obey God. And maybe God's speaking to you today some things to your heart and has been speaking to you for a long time, but yet you haven't done it. You're a fool. Now, I know that, well, I know I won you over today on that one, didn't I? But what do you want me to speak to you? The truth? Or just sugarcoat it? What if you, what, what, I'm on this, so I'm going to get on this soap stand, I'm staying on it. I'm not moving, no. What are if you, you know you need to be more consistent in your coming to church, and you don't? What are you? Boy, they're just looking at me, Abe, like, let's get that guy up on stage and sing something. Last one. Believing is, number one. Believing, number two, is... Believing, number three, is waiting on God. Abraham was an example of growing in faith as he believed God's word and waited for a permanent home. I'm not going to turn there, but you can find that in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. Abraham was called...